Welcome to False Flag Weekly News, the weekly news show that tells you a lot more than you want to know about the horrible happenings that just transpired this past week. I'm Kevin Barrett, and our guest host today is J. Michael Springman, a.k.a. J. Mike. How are you doing, J. Mike? I'm fine. Assalamu alaikum, shlonak. I like your Algerian pirate flag. It's good to have you back. Uh, and yeah, that is the El- the Barbary Corsairs flag. It's uh, it's the Muslim pirate flag. And I always liked pirates when I was a kid, and I, I still like pirates. But uh, we we have to cover a lot of other stories, so we can't just sit here and have fun talking about pirates. First, we have to give our obligatory disclaimers. First disclaimer: question everything. If you don't want to question everything, you're watching the wrong show. We might even question one of your uh, pet beliefs, which could be terribly traumatizing. And some people actually find it disturbing when so many questions are asked about their deepest beliefs about how society actually works. And if you're disturbed by this show, uh, either continue watching and being disturbed or don't. It's up to you. It's a free country. Or it used to be anyway. So medical and mental health disclaimers. Uh, we are not psychiatrists, nor are we physicians. Okay, that's enough. Next, next slide. <laughs> oh man, it's I. I love these disclaimers. Trying to think of something fresh to say about each disclaimer every week is a real challenge. And then, uh, so here's here's our uh, slide for the week. The Great Reset is turning us into barcodes. Uh, so what is so great about the Great Reset? Absolutely nothing. Say it again. Reset. <laughs> good Lord, y'all. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. So that's our theme song for the week. You want to try it out, Mike? Now I'll, I'll sing Vaccine Clause is Coming to Town, though. <laughs> okay. Uh, how does that go? You want me to do it? Give, give me a give me a verse. All right, sure. Let me see if I can find my. Uh, uh, this is going to go from here. bad to verse. Oh, where is it? Uh, <laughs> you can save it for the Christmas show if you want. Actually, this is this is the Christmas season show, I guess. All right, here we go. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Vaccine clauses coming okay. to town. And clause is spelled C-L-A-W-S. Oh, no. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's been vaxxed so nice. Vaccine clause is coming to town. (laughs) He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows you've been vaxxed or not. So be good for Fauci's sake. Hmm. Fauci's sake. Oh, man. Uh, (laughs) And it goes on from there. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And then there's Ru- Rudolph the Vax-Nosed Reindeer, who has, like, some kind of embolism in his nose that turned it red. But we'll skip exactly. that one. <laughs> well, uh, on one foggy Christmas Eve, Fochi came to say, Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my jabs tonight? <laughs> oh, man. But I won't sing anymore in deference to Gene Autry, who's a childhood hero. Yeah, Gene Autry would not approve. Uh, he's he's probably sitting up there in paradise uh, playing his guitar, but now he's holding his hands over his ears. Uh, <laughs> so we'll take pity on our viewers and move on to the weekly news. Um, but we do have some bad news to impart to start with. Uh, David Pitcock passed away. David Pitcock, otherwise known as Daoud Musa Pitcock, is a former Roman Catholic converted to Islam uh, while he was an engineer in Saudi Arabia in the 70s. And then he led the charge of the British Muslims to uh, put out their side of the Salman Rushdie controversy. 
in the 1980s uh, or 79 or whatever that was, uh, 89 rather. Um, and he was one of the great anti-New World Order Muslims, people like Sheikh Amran Hossein and Charles Upton uh, and others who've had the courage to take on these kinds of issues. And so I posted this last interview I did with him uh, as kind of a tribute to him. So uh, uh, Allah Yarhamhu. And uh, I guess, uh, and then the more bad news. I hate to I hate to just start out with so much bad news, but then Julian Assange, uh, more bad news out of the UK even, uh, loses his appeal, and he is facing extradition. He's going to appeal it, of course, but it means he's stuck for many months more in this crappy little cell after having been stuck for seven years in a crappy little apartment in the Ecuadorian embassy. He couldn't even use the balcony because he was afraid he was going to get assassinated by Pompeo's henchmen and all these other crazy CIA idiots who were actually planning to assassinate him. Um, and now the Britain is going to send him to the country whose top intelligence people and administration people were planning to kill him. Uh, I, I don't quite understand that. Uh, what do you think, Mike? Well, I mean, he's like John Kiriakou, uh, late of the CIA's clandestine service. Uh, the, both of them didn't expose any deep, dark secrets like how to build an atomic bomb in your basement from common household materials found in your kitchen. Uh, they simply exposed uh, American murder, war crimes, and human rights violations. And somehow they're being punished for it, despite the First Amendment that guarantees freedom of speech and freedom of the press. Yeah, it's uh, there isn't so much freedom of the press anymore, and the digital commons are now getting locked down as well. Uh, if you're lucky, you're penned off in some barbed wire free speech zone over on the corner of the Internet where they don't promote you on YouTube or anything. Speaking of which, um, my YouTube channel got another strike, so it's uh, very close to being annihilated. That's why we can't broadcast on YouTube today. Uh, so people really should get used to watching us elsewhere, like Rumble and uh, Twitch and, and wherever else uh, we broadcast, because YouTube is now uh, part of the Orwellian censorship machine, the same Orwellian machine that is tormenting Julian Assange. So the only good news here is that uh, Julian Assange will appeal, and who knows, maybe uh, he'll get justice in this life, or maybe he'll have to wait until the next uh, so, well, how about speaking of justice in this life, somebody who may be getting a little bit of justice in this life is Jesse Smollett. Uh, he, the jury didn't buy his kind of ridiculous alibi. Uh, so here's a piece, uh, I think it was a, like Daily Beast story or something prefaced by Jim Dean at Veterans Today, uh, pointing out that, hey, this guy, he, he claimed to be gay, black, and Jewish. So who would dare risk challenging that three-pack buzzsaw? Well, the jury uh, didn't buy that. So maybe identity politics aren't quite the defense in court that some would wish they were. Well, it worked for the lamestream media at the time. Uh, they praised him and uh, condemned the evil Make America Great Again people wearing those those red hats and blamed it all on Trump. And uh, they just rode to town on it. And now I've not heard one word saying, oh, gee, we lied to the American people. We didn't back check this story. Yeah, so they they don't fact check a whole lot of things, and anything that sounds like a hate crimes hoax uh, is it's likely to get the kind of viral reception from the certain social justice warrior contingent that uh, is can send it off in a direction where you know people make up their minds. Oh, this poor guy attacked by evil 
Trump supporting, you know, clan loving white nationalist Nazis, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and then they're going to just stick with that no matter how much evidence comes up contradicting it. But apparently the jury, uh, wasn't stuck with the, the original story here and they followed the evidence. Uh, so I guess Jesse is uh, going to be, his, his career may have to be revived once again when he gets out of prison. Uh, well, speaking of prison and people who should be stuck there, uh, uh, how about the 9-11 perpetrators? Uh, AE 9-11 or the architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth, is now daring the journalists who silenced the 9-11 family members, like uh, Bob McElvain in his photo, uh, in Spike Lee's HBO series, uh, to, to write about this new Dylan Avery film, The Unspeakable. This uh, film, of course, is not getting any coverage in the mainstream media, and uh, you're not allowed to cover 9-11, truthfully, in the mainstream media, as we learned when Spike Lee tried to present his uh, half hour of the final episode of uh, NYC Epicenter's 9-11 2021 and a half, in which uh, Spike Lee apparently made what may have been the greatest 9-11 truth half-hour film ever, but then wasn't allowed to show it to anybody because the establishment predict- predictably lynched him. So in this article, Mike, we're given the email addresses of all of these uh, treasonous journalists who uh, terrorized and lynched Spike Lee and forced him to uh, to hide his uh, 9-11 truth film. And I think we should write to these journalists and probably try to be un- understated and err on the side of, you know, trying to sound uh, reasonable rather than uh, calling them the uh, traitors and scumbags that they are. Uh, I don't think you get anywhere emailing people telling them that they're a traitor and a scumbag. But uh, I, I do think we need to to speak out and talk back uh, to to these people who, who lynched Spike Lee. Oh, definitely. The Washington Post, which is not a real newspaper and doesn't have real journalists, went to town on this story, claiming that Spike Lee had been captured by the, the conspiracy theorists, and uh, he uh, could not accept the government's theory of what happened to the, uh, the three buildings that came crashing down into their own footprint in New York City. Uh, they really went, really tore him up and then tore up anybody who expressed a scintilla of doubt about the official government uh, line. Indeed. Well, uh, so we've had years and years of lies, uh, like 20 plus years of lies about 9-11. And now uh, we're also this week uh, observing 80 years of lies about Pearl Harbor. Uh, a few days ago was December 7th, the anniversary of Pearl Harbor. And this uh, piece from Covert Action Magazine, I know that uh, you and your friend Looney Lou over at Covert Action may not be the best of friends, Mike. However, this is a terrific article that goes over uh, the very abundant evidence that Pearl Harbor was very far from a surprise attack. It was essentially, we can call it a false flag. It was orchestrated by people on our side uh, who made sure that it would happen, knew it was coming, and intentionally allowed those nearly 2,500 sailors to get slaughtered as a kind of human sacrifice to the gods of war to turn around the 90% plus public opinion that opposed entry into World War II. And that's just the, the truth. And, of course, it's called a conspiracy theory, but it's thoroughly documented, as this article proves. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's kind of long-winded and misses a couple of points. Uh, but there was a book put out by a Georgetown University professor in about 1945 that I read years ago. Don't remember the name of the book. Don't remember the professor's name. And uh, tried the Internet and tried Georgetown University and struck out. Uh, but basically, uh, the uh, peace president for life, Roosevelt, wanted war with Germany, 
And the way to do it was to antagonize the Japanese, which uh, who were allied with the Germans, uh, to attack the United States and, and through a process of uh, treaties would get America into war with Germany. Uh, Roosevelt uh, sent Enigma machines that the British had, which had cracked the uh, uh, the German uh, uh, code uh, and the the Japanese used, used similar ciphers. And uh, the uh, Enigma machines went everywhere except Pearl Harbor. Uh, and in fact, uh, Roosevelt had done everything possible to stake out the Pacific fleet at a forward base. It was home ported in California and Pearl Harbor was not developed uh, then as it is now. And uh, basically, the uh, Roosevelt uh, clamped sanctions on Japan, uh, blocked uh, investments, blocked trade, etc. And uh, as Herbert, uh, Herbert Hoover, the former president, said, it was like sticking pins in a rattlesnake. So, yeah, Roosevelt wanted his war, and he got it. They cut off their oil. Yeah. You cut off an island nation's oil supplies, uh, that's pretty much an act of war. Uh, but yeah, so I, th- I thought it was a, this was a very good article and goes over many, if not all of the, uh, the many items of proof that Pearl Harbor was far from a surprise attack. So 80 years of lies over Pearl Harbor, 20 years of lies over 9-11, and how many years of lies are we going to face over the vaccine wars? Uh, that's our next rubric here. Uh, first story. The Senate has scrapped Biden's vaccine mandate. Of course, that mandate's already been held up in the courts. There is no real vaccine mandate. If your company uh, or organization tells you you have to be vaccinated or they'll fire you, uh, they don't have to do that. They're not mandated to do that. Senator Joe Manchin, this uh, Democrat who sometimes votes with Republicans, and John Tester of Montana joined all 50 Republicans in passing this. So the Republican Party is setting itself up as the good guys uh, supporting the freedom to make medical choices for yourself. I'm not convinced that Republicans are good guys, but on this particular issue, I guess they are. Well, I have to agree. I mean, they, uh, people are screaming blue bloody murder about having to choose between a deadly vaccine that's untried and untested and their job. And it's outrageous. Uh, it, it's a violation of the civil rights, a violation of the Nuremberg Code and everything else. Yeah, so it's 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 good that these mandates have run into a brick wall, but the trouble is they've provided a fig leaf for the, the companies to sometimes institute these mandates and, and blame the government mandate. Mm-hmm. And even though the, ma- the government mandate actually is is not uh, doesn't have the force of law, these companies can essentially hide behind the impression that there is this nationwide mandate, the president has announced it, and so on and so forth, and they can get away with strong-arming their employees. Well, uh, another uh, bit of good news on this uh, truth about vaccines and COVID front is uh, a very, another very good article from Ron Unz of the Unz Review, uh, he's been waging war against the crazy anti-vaxxers who infest his website. Uh, and he starts out this article by describing this uh, situation where, you know, he's, he's ultra committed to free speech. So he doesn't moderate his comments very much. And so there are all sorts of really obnoxious views as well as all sorts of brilliant views that you can find in these comments. And so the uh, anti-vaccine contingent, which includes an awful lot of people who think that the vaccines are basically going to kill everybody who gets them, it's going to be the world's biggest genocide in history, billions, billions will be dead, and so on and so forth. So there's all sort of all sorts of those people who are uh, all over his comment section uh, and fighting with him because Ron is actually fairly 
conservative and mainstream in his view of COVID as a genuine threat. Uh, masking and lockdowns is not all that unreasonable and this sort of thing. So, but in, the, in this article, Ron uh, essentially appreciates RFK Jr.'s new book and takes a few steps towards a more balanced position on the vaccine issue. I'll take a little credit for that. I had a long conversation with him about this over lunch when I was out in the Bay Area last September. And Ron is always reasonable and willing to listen. And so he's listened, he listened to me and was reasonable. He's now listened to RFK Jr. And it sounded even more reasonable. So, yeah, Ron, is, he's made a career of being open-minded and willing to learn about this long list of American Pravda issues. And he's uh, kept it up here by uh, endorsing RFK Jr.'s book. Well, my take on uh, that article was that, one, he kind of panned RFK Jr., uh, uh, slapping him around in a number of places. And from what I've seen of Unz's articles in the past on the virus and the vaccine, uh, he seemed to be, um, in this article, uh, entirely opposed to what he had written in any number of articles, uh, in a whole stream of them before. So I I was very much surprised, and I I do like the... uh, his few good words about uh, the uh, Kennedy's ideas on the vaccine and, and, and uh, AIDS and uh, Fauci and his uh, uh, involvement in, in the, the AIDS issue, uh, trying to make a big career out of it for himself. So, you know, it was, I thought it was good and bad. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I thought, you know, Ron, uh, he disagreed with uh, some of the material in, in RFK Jr.'s book. But overall, I thought he gave the book a pretty strong endorsement, including at the end of the article. He says RFK Jr. has just sort of, you know, assumed his place in the magnificent pantheon of his Kennedy family and so on. So, yeah, I, I, I didn't see it as as a pan at all. Uh, and in particular, I thought uh, Ron Unz really seemed to appreciate RFK Jr.'s work on the bioweapons program. And in particular, uh, the way that he, he exposed the background of the, you know, this push for the use of bioweapons that may have led to unleashing COVID as uh, a neocon American bioattack on China and Iran. Uh, Kaplan or uh, Cadlick, uh, Robert Cadlick, America's bio warrior in chief and biggest advocate for act- the actual use of biological weapons, who, who is quoted uh, as saying, Quote, biological weapons under the cover of an endemic or natural disease occurrence provides an attacker the potential for plausible denial. Biological warfare's potential to create significant economic loss and consequent political instability, coupled with plausible deniability, exceeds the possibilities of any other human weapon. So Cadillac was has been drooling to use biological weapons in a big way for decades. And then Trump appointed him as Americans' bioweapons are. And then the next year, China lost its its chicken supply to a bioattack. The year after that, it lost its pork supply to a bioattack. And the year after that, Wuhan saw this outbreak of COVID at exactly the worst possible time for China on Chinese New Year in the city, in the world's, in the city, in, in the nation's transit hub. And then, boom, the virus slammed Qom Iran, head of the Iranian, the home of the Iranian mullahs. The Iranians immediately responded by accusing the U.S. of attacking them. It was totally uh, covered up and derided in the Western media. So anyway, that background in RFK Jr.'s book is uh, quite useful in adding to our understanding of uh, the likelihood, as Ron Unz has written, that this was a deliberate American bioattack that unleashed COVID. 
Well, I agree. And uh, I would note that Richard Fleming's book, which I just finished, uh, is COVID-19, a bioweapon, uh, granted hard to read and too technical in places. Uh, but he lines out how much money Fochi and the U.S. government put into bioweapons research in China and in the University of North Carolina and other places in the United States. So uh, uh, he pretty much nails it down, uh, although the uh, the facts and figures are a bit much in places. Okay, well, people can read RFK Jr.'s book and or Ranun's review and make up their own minds. Uh, but I think we're both, we both agree that it's worth reading uh, both the book and the review. Uh, well, how about Michelle Malkin? That's somebody who's often not worth reading, in my opinion. She's one of the gloomiest, raving Islamophobes of the past two decades. But here she just did a great piece of investigative journalism about who's behind the vaccine passport racket. Turns out there are these really dicey uh, bio-war-connected national security organizations that want to keep track of who's vaccinated and who isn't and then sell all that data to make money off it, even as they also weaponize it and use it for biological weapon attacks, it sounds like. The Vaccine Credential Initiative is a a who's who of for-profit big tech and big health corporations looking for ways to profit off personal data. And there's Apple, Microsoft, Cerner, Amazon, Google, Epic, the Mayo Clinic, Oracle, Salesforce, uh, Evernorth, and so on. And then there's the Miter Corporation, which is uh, basically uh, uh, one of the bio-war divisions of the American military intelligence establishment. So this is a bio-war health data for-profit crossover. They can wage biological warfare for fun and profit. And I guess they're uh, they're having fun and they're profiting. And so far, nobody has stood up to, to stop them. Nobody questions it. I mean, the Mitre Corporation in particular is tied to uh, uh, MIT and to uh, CIA-friendly McLean, Virginia. Uh, and they are basically people not to be trusted. That, that's, and that's the understatement of the century. But anyway, I'm glad to see that Michelle Malkin is, uh, is doing some good, useful work. I actually invited her on my radio show. I told her, let's, let's talk about this terrific article for half an hour and then, then I can, uh, uh, answer your questions about Islam for the second half hour. But I haven't heard back from her. I don't think uh-huh. she wants her questions about Islam answered. She's already made up her mind on that. So, uh, next story, the, Whistleblowers are suddenly uh, receiving this this offer that maybe they they'll have to go for. Uh, for this is this is from uh, Steve Kirsch, who is a sort of a self-made uh, wealthy uh, uh, software type of guy, sort of like Ron Unz, a very bright guy that made a bunch of money in software and has enough money to say what he really thinks and do what he really wants. And so now he's going all out to uh, expose the vaccines. And so he's telling whistleblowers in the CDC, hey, uh, name your price. He he mentions in this article that uh, his friend Tyson Gabriel, uh, who works for the CDC, or had a friend that worked for the CDC, he he didn't get jabbed uh, because he knew in advance that there were problems with the safety data. And he said that staff members were told to keep quiet or they would lose their jobs. So a whole lot of CDC people have allegedly been told to keep quiet about this really bad vaccine safety data or they'll lose their jobs. Steve Kirsch is dangling money in front of them to try to assuage those fears. Uh, How long do you think it'll be, Mike, before we get smoking gun proof that even the mainstream can't deny that these vaccines are vastly more harmful than we've been told so far? Well, we may both be dead by then, although I love the idea of offering them money to uh, blow the whistle because uh, that's the big issue with uh, people who uh, 
uncover the rocks and, and uh, display all of these slithery creatures under them. Uh, they lose their jobs. Uh, they spend all their money on attorneys trying to get their jobs back or get compensation. And they end up basically in the poorhouse. So I think this is a grand idea. Yeah. So a shout out to Steve Kirsch. Uh, he's been doing great work over his Substack publication. And speaking of the dangers of the jab, um, here's an interesting piece from a relatively mainstream London. I don't know if it's quite a tabloid or whatever it is, the Evening Standard, uh, a newspaper uh, headline up to 300,000 people. This is just in the UK are facing heart related illnesses due to no, it's not the vaccine. It's post pandemic stress disorder or PPSD. Uh, this is really odd because other stress disorders, post-traumatic stress disorder from people who fought in horrific war zones, that doesn't cause the slightest uptick in heart or circulatory problems. But pandemic stress disorder does. How interesting. Uh, they quote a senior vascular surgeon named Tahir Hussein uh, from the Northwick Park Hospital in Harrow, who said he's seen a huge rise in cases of, quote, thermatic-related vascular conditions. He says far younger patients are being admitted and requiring surgical and medical intervention than prior to the pandemic. I believe many of these cases are a direct result of the increased stress and anxiety levels caused from this PPSD, or post-pandemic stress disorder. He says we've also seen evidence that patients have died at home from such conditions as pulmonary embolism and mitocardial infarction. I don't know what infarction is. Is that this, 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 how can they try to attribute this to some ridiculous stress disorder when there are no such stress disorder, psychological stress disorders that impact heart issues? Uh, Vaccines are the sitting up there with this bright flashing red light saying, it's me, it's me, it's me. And then they're staring off into the corner and making up some story. This is, this is a, it's like a bad joke. How stupid do they think we are? Very stupid. Uh, they don't uh, relate the uh, the hysteria that they, they drive to the point where people are afraid to invite people into their houses. Uh, people write into the Washington Post's uh, 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 restaurant column saying, I've been vaxxed and my wife hasn't been vaxxed, but we want to go out for a special dinner, but we don't want to sit inside a restaurant where we might catch a disease. So I think that's a lot of stress. And, of course, you give these these uh, jabs to the young people, especially athletes who put a lot of stress on their heart, and bang, they're dead as a doornail. So I, I think it's all tied together, and nobody wants to admit it. Well, over in California, Governor Gavin Newsom must be suffering from uh, post-gumatatorial pandemic stress disorder or something. Because <laughs> he apparently came down with the Guillain or Gillian, I don't know how to pronounce it, Gillian Barr syndrome or GBS. I'll just call it GBS. Now, Steve Kirsch uh, says, I know Gavin has GBS. He got it from his recent booster shot. Now, uh, he disappeared and has been out of the public view, uh, rushed off to vacation in Cabo San Lucas at a, uh, as we reported last week at this very, very price, I think it was like how many millions of dollars a night kind of resort, um, maybe not quite that much, but just completely insane, uh, priced resort. Now he is just 1.7 miles from the Cabo STEM Center, the Cabo STEM Center, uh, where he's, he's staying in La Dacha, Mexico. Now, this Cabo Stem Cell Center offers stem cell treatments that are not legal in the United States. So 
uh, he may have this syndrome that makes his face all twitchy and he may have rushed off to Mexico to hide out and take a vacation right next to the stem cell center that could be giving him treatment. Of course, that's just a theory, but it sounds like it's a pretty good guess about why uh, Gavin Newsom fled the country and disappeared from public view. Well, good old Gavin is a member of the Democrat cheek of the great American behind, and he just faced down a recall election in California. Um, so uh, he doesn't want to admit GBS is an autoimmune disease that attacks the nerves controlling the muscles. And you get tingling and, and, and lack of use of your arms and legs and things like that, although you don't necessarily die from it. So uh, I, I think this is typical uh, Democrat hypocrisy. Uh, and the typical uh, way things are done in California. That makes sense to me. So there are a lot of credible reports of bad effects from the vaccines. But does that mean that everybody or even a lot of majority or sizable fraction of the people getting these vaccines are going to suffer horrible effects or even die? I don't know. I haven't seen any evidence that tells me that that's the case. But in the next slide, we see that Pastor Rick Wiles thinks so. Uh, here's a Newsweek story hyping Pastor Rick Wiles' uh, belief that the vaccines are a genocidal weapon for culling the population. This is the sort of thing that some of the people at the UNS Review, like Mike Whitney and so on, have claimed as well. So Pastor Rick Wiles has done a lot of good work on a, on a number of issues, including the USS Liberty and other Israel-related issues, uh, predicts that COVID-19 vaccinations could kill off up to 2 billion people worldwide. And he, he gives uh, vaccinated people a year or two to live. Yeah. I think that's hyperbole. I think that's way out of the ballpark of what's very likely. Of course, you never really know, do you? No, you don't. It's not been tested. It's not been proven uh, in all kinds of double-blind trials. Uh, but they've been uh, pushing it on the, the population, claiming that people who are not vaxxed are uh, responsible for killing hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, and even our good friends in the apartheid entity, this tells us of Israel, uh, has gone after these people that attacking the vaccinations. Uh, one person uh, uh, compared it to Yosef Mengele, the, the Nazi experimental doctor, and they screamed this was anti-Semitic. Don't you dare do that. So uh, I, I think that uh, this is something that we need to look into, uh, no matter how strange and odd it seems. So if you look at the debunking here that Newsweek responds with, uh, it's pretty lame. Uh, I'm not oh, yeah. saying that I agree with Rick Wiles, but Newsweek debunks this by saying, quote, even though the death rate from COVID-19 is small, a person's chances of getting seriously ill from COVID-19 is still higher than their chances of getting seriously ill from the vaccine. Well, what do you mean a person? Which person? <laughs> There's such a huge difference in the danger of COVID-19 based on your age and your health status. Yeah. So it may be true that, say, an 80-year-old in not such great health might have a considerably smaller chance of dying from the vaccine than of dying from COVID. That's probably true as, at this point. Uh, but a healthy child or even young adult? I don't know. In any case, that's a lame debunking. And it's also, it's like baby talk. It's, you know, if, if you compare the stuff from people like Steve Kirsch and Alex Berenson and Eugippius and RFK Jr. and the more sophisticated uh, vaccine skeptics to the attempts to rebut them in the mainstream, it's like, you know, it's like graduate school versus baby talk. And the mainstream media is just giving us baby talk. Uh, no wonder people don't believe them anymore. 
We oh, yeah. yeah. Newsweek is also the lamestream publication that uh, wouldn't let the late journalist uh, Bob Perry write about uh, uh, Iran-Contra. They didn't like him uh, questioning the government. They didn't like him uh, uh, questioning their uh, one-sided view of everything. And uh, I think this is more of the same. Probably so. And, you know, we don't trust the media about vaccines. Uh, how about on Russia? Well, <laughs> uh, the media is pretty unanimous in drumming up uh, Russophobia. And Mississippi Senator Roger Wicker is even more extreme than the mainstream media. Uh, he, he says, we should stand off with our ships in the Black Sea and rain destruction on Russian military capability. This is in the event of a war in Ukraine. Uh, this guy's on the Armed Services Committee, and he wants a nuclear war with Russia. Hasn't he noticed that uh, hardly anybody would survive such a war? I mean, absolute nitwit. The, the Russians have half the world's supply of atomic bombs. And uh, this guy thinks he's going to nail every last uh, 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 missile site and, and bomber base in, in, in all of Russia. Uh, they're stretching across I don't know how many time zones. And the U.S. would be unscathed. I mean, you, you end up with the nuclear winter uh, just by blowing all of this radioactive dust into the air. And the, the guys should so be... So one guy in the mainstream media who makes right? sense on, on Russia is Tucker Carlson. But, of course, he gets beat up by the rest of the mainstream media for saying relatively sane things about the war on Russia. Um, for instance, this headline is saying, oh, he's siding with Putin. You know, Putin is the demonized new Hitler, supposedly, and Tucker Carlson sympathizes with him. But if you look at what Tucker is saying, it makes sense. He says Russia just wants to keep uh, their Western borders secure. They want legal guarantees from NATO that it will never expand any more eastward because they got an oral promise uh, from, uh, was it H.W. Uh, Bush? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and I think at the, even at the beginning of the Clinton administration, that NATO would never expand even one inch eastward. That's why Gorbachev was willing to uh, settle the Cold War. But the American NATO side immediately violated the promise and started expanding eastward. Russia won't stand for Ukraine joining NATO, but the Americans are planning to do that. And that means war with Russia. So, Tucker Carlson's questioning, is this even necessary? Why do we even take Ukraine's side versus Russia's side? It's a sincere question. Who's got the energy reserves? Who's the major player in world affairs? Who's the political counterbalance against China? Uh, indeed, why have we driven Russia and China together and Iran all into this big anti-American bloc? That's it's not only immoral, but it's just stupid. Well, it's a failure of the mistake department and the lamestream media and, of course, uh, Victoria Nuland and uh, Hillary Clinton and uh, the great Obaminator. These are the people who overthrew the elected government of the Ukraine, imposed a fascist dictatorship, and now the uh, Biden, the butt nugget, uh, is sending anti-tank uh, missiles to the Ukrainians and howling about uh, the Russians can't move soldiers around their own territory. Uh, but at the same time, uh, the American government for the past couple of decades has been sending... Uh, Soldiers up and down the uh, the former uh, Russian frontier uh, throughout uh, what used to be Eastern Europe uh, from uh, Czechoslovakia or what used to be Czechoslovakia up to the Baltic. And somehow that isn't provocative. Well, uh, China and Russia now are working together 
And they're both uh, going after Biden for his so-called summit of democracy. The Chinese newspaper, uh, the leading state-run newspaper, compared the U.S. democracy initiative to, quote, a mistress of a brothel teaching morals to schoolgirls. And uh, over the weekend, China held its own virtual international forum on democracy. And according to this article in uh, in CNN, quote, the Chinese and Russian diplomats falsely referred to their countries as democracies. Wait a minute. So there's nothing democratic at all in Russia, which has all kinds of elections. And even in China uh, is it's, you know, the, the party has elections and so on. Uh, U.S., we have more of an oligarchy than a democracy. I'm not really sure that the U.S. is any more democratic than either Russia or China. And I'm considerably sure that it's it's far less democratic than than the Islamic Republic of Iran, where they count the votes with hand-counted paper ballots. Uh, just more insane hypocrisy. And speaking of hypocrisy, in the next slide, China uh, is being accused of hiding secret missile systems in cargo, cargo containers. But as this article tells us, everybody does that. So doesn't that make you feel secure, Mike, that the cargo no, containers are full of missiles? Uh, they, they used to uh, fill the containers full of illegal aliens. Now they're using missiles. And who knows where they are. Uh, and uh, if they set one of these things off, you don't have to fire it anywhere. You just simply let it go. And you get to the elect- electromagnetic pulse that uh, burns out everything electronic for hundreds of miles around. And it's yeah, that would, You know, an EMF war uh, would be interesting. You know, if, if both sides just rain EMF on the other, you end up with a world with no more electronics. And, uh, I don't know how people are going to get by without their their Game Boys and their whatever uh, their 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 smartphones, but it might be interesting. It might not actually be such a bad thing. Just yeah, like a, another type of war that could break out would be uh, targeting the other side's command and control. So basically, all of the top leaders of both sides blow each other up and leave the rest yeah. of us in peace. That actually doesn't sound as bad as some of the nuclear war scenarios I've heard about. So well, just think of uh, you know. Uh... Zuckerberg and his, his Facebook and, and Twitter and all the people that keep banning the false flag weekly news. There you go. Yeah. Hopefully they're targets too. So <laughs> I shouldn't say that. That's, that's yeah. not nice. Um, and speaking of not nice, uh, how about the, uh, the abortion controversy? Everybody thinks the other side isn't very nice in the abortion controversy. New York Times says that a post Roe v. Wade America, which might happen any day, the Supreme Court could uh, rule on that issue. Uh, would be split. About half the states would still have legal abortions, and then at least 22 wouldn't. The number of legal abortions in the country would fall by 14%, which is hardly the end of the world if you're uh, pro-abortion, I would think. But then in the next New York Times slide story here, uh, we have actually a man-bites-dog situation where a conservative anti-abortion uh, conservative legal, legal scholar named Mrs. Baccioni uh, argues from that standpoint that, that this this is really a one of a number of issues where she, she says ending the abortion regime must be the keystone of standing against the individualistic libertarianism that characterizes our politics left and right and privileges the powerful over the weak and dependent. So she's in a sense a kind of a left wing anti-abortion thinker arguing that protecting the weak and powerless is the social imperative, and we need to do that by banning abortion, and then also, presumably, by uh, building up a kind of a socialized or socialist kind of system to take care of, of the poor and hungry as well. 
And so that's a, that's an interesting perspective. And I was actually pleasantly surprised to see that the New York Times actually included something that wasn't just more of their usual propaganda. Yeah. Well, my take on this is that uh, apparently there's going to be abortion funded tourism going to California for support for abortions. Uh, and of course, nobody's being forced to have an abortion like you're forced to have a, a vaccine. Uh, and the folks who get so wound up about abortion pro and con seem to ignore what the United States has done to Yugoslavia, to Libya, to Syria, to Lebanon, uh, Iraq, and what they're trying to do to Iran. And yeah. somehow this is, this, this escapes them and they worry about individuals and uh, forget about entire regions of death. That's a very good point. Yeah. Anybody who's pro-life, uh, should be against the American Holocaust that's mm-hmm. killed maybe 60 million people, according to Chomsky and Volchek, and is killing them even as we speak. And I guess that should be true for the other side, the pro-choice, because those people we're dropping bombs on should have the choice of staying alive. So both sides uh, should should listen to you, Mike. I totally agree with that. Well, more um, culture conflict news in America. Of course, Donald Trump is at the center of this culture clash of red versus blue and conservative versus liberal and all this sort of thing. The New York Times uh, published another dog, Man Bites Dog piece here by another conservative, Ross Duhat, um, who argues that the press is trying to prevent a Trump restoration, but it shouldn't spin the facts and misreport the news to do that. And he, he points out that they hid the Hunter Biden laptop story because not because they did, didn't think it was true, but because they didn't want Trump to win. And that kind of behavior just undermines people's faith in the mainstream media, and it ends up helping Trump. I think that's a good point. No, exactly. The, the thing that is that the, uh, during the 2020 election, uh, the press was out to destroy Trump in any way, shape, or form it could. And the Washington Post still has an article every day on the evils of Trump. Uh, you, you name the cause and, uh, uh, Trump is at the bottom of it. And uh, they're convinced uh, that, uh, him being out of office for a year is nothing that he's, he's liable to come back and become president tomorrow morning at nine o'clock. So while we're talking about the Times and the the Washington Post, the big establishment media, how about this next Washington Post story about the super spreader in chief? It turns out that according to this new expose book about the Trump administration, uh, Trump got a positive COVID test. Apparently, he got a negative test shortly thereafter, and he believed the negative one, not the positive one. And so he ran around super spreading COVID, came into contact with more than 500 people, of which two dozen came down with COVID um, before he ended up being dragged off to Walter Reed Hospital. So uh, <laughs> is this just more uh, you know, hatchet jobs against Trump, uh, or is there something here that we can learn from? Well, it's remarkably stupid for Trump or Stiltskin, uh, but at the same time, it, it's another uh, let's hate Trump because he brought us the virus and nobody else, and uh, mm-hmm. it, it just doesn't track, and it, it's it's more uh, uh, anti-Trumpism than anything else. Well, every now and then Trump says something that I approve of, and uh, that happened this week when he said, F you! To Benjamin Netanyahu. I've been saying that to Netanyahu for years, but Trump finally got around to it. Uh, but not because he doesn't like Bibi Netanyahu's insanity, his likely participation in the 9-11 murder of nearly 3,000 Americans, and then the uh, hijacking of America's military to murder millions of people 
uh, in these wars for Israel. No, that's not why Trump doesn't like Bibi. Trump doesn't like Bibi because Bibi sent a congratulatory letter to Joe Biden after the election. I mean, obviously, Trump is just such a textbook case of a pathological narcissist. It's quite humorous. I mean, he's a cartoon character. And maybe that's why people like him and vote for him is he's this kind of hilarious sort of he, he, he's so so stupid in the way he goes about this stuff that he's not even really a super villain. He's more of a super clown. And, it, you know, if, if that's what you want for your political entertainment, I guess, you know, you got it. <laughs> now that, that That's sort of on the edge of belief and you wonder what goes through his head. Mike, you still there? Yeah, I am. Okay, sorry, sorry, yeah. I couldn't tell if the screen froze. Uh, okay. Well, that's enough of Trump. Uh, well, we're still, we're still stuck though in, in the fallout from Trump world and in, in this whole January 6th thing that Congress is investigating or was investigating. And now we learn from Colonel Earl Matthews, who was a high level national security council and Pentagon guy under the Trump administration. He says that the uh, Pentagon's inspector general report about this whole thing was full of lies. In particular, he called two army generals, Charles Flynn, who's related to Michael Flynn, and uh, General Walter Piat, uh, director of the army staff, absolute and unmitigated liars, because he says these guys lied about the fact that they stood down and wouldn't allow the National Guard to be deployed during this so-called insurrection on January 6th. Um what to make of that? I don't know. Why were those forces stood down? What was the plot? Were there two different factions? One that wanted to cause chaos in favor of uh, keeping Trump in office. Another that wanted to cause chaos in favor of discrediting Trump. And the latter camp probably won. That's my interpretation anyway. What's yours? Well, I think the whole thing is a finger-pointing Tarantella. And uh, you don't get any real information or hard uh explanations of what really went on they they simply want to play up the idea that uh, this was an insurrection and, and an attempt to overthrow the american government uh by withholding uh, the national guard soldiers uh but at the same time uh when they had uh, riots looting and general insurrection on lafayette square and then farther up wisconsin avenue in washington dc or in portland oregon or seattle washington or uh, new york or philadelphia or 200 cities in between uh, the army was not there. The National Guard was not there in force uh, and uh, uh, sticking bayonets into people. Uh, they simply sort of let it go and uh, claim these were only peaceful demonstrations. Yet the hysteria that they had on television uh, when this was going on on the 6th of January was unbelievable. The, uh, the newscasters who wouldn't say a word about uh, what happened in Lafayette Square or anywhere else were raving that these people were overthrowing America. And, of course, we know a person who's published an article who was there and who said this is nothing of the case. Uh, there was a, a small group of people who probably were helped by uh, the FBI and other organizations to break into the Capitol building and did very little damage and were rather orderly about it. So I, I, I think this is more uh, along the lines of uh, let's get rid of Trump. Let's keep Trump out of office. Let's do something about the uh, Make America Great Again people. Well, there were clearly people who were dead set on getting rid of Trump. And then there was also Trump and uh, some others who were dead set on keeping him. And and I don't think either side was really willing to fully play by the rules. So uh, I'm very much open to suggestions of fraudulent and criminal behavior coming from people on both sides. Mm. Uh, 
in the, in the next slide, we remember that Trump did try to pressure the uh, Georgia election official to find him 11,780 votes, which was exactly what he needed to win. It would have looked pretty fishy if that exact number had been found, putting him <laughs> over the top by exactly one vote. Uh, yeah, Trump is not the world's uh, cleverest criminal. I mean, you kind of wonder how this guy got away with everything he, he did throughout his life. And uh, the new uh, gubernatorial candidate in Georgia says that he wouldn't certify those results, you know, even though there there were then hand, statewide hand uh, recounts and then there was a machine recount and so on. So uh, this is all part of a movement to take over the election machinery by these Trump supporting Republicans, uh, people who, who believe that the election was stolen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the new uh, threat, according to the Brennan Center in the next slide. Insider threats are uh, going to put our democracy in peril. I think democracy has been in peril for a long time, ever since we got these black box voting machines mm. in 2004. Wholesale vote fraud has been more likely than not. I mean, it's a good thing we're not on YouTube right now, because you're not allowed to say that on YouTube, questioning any presidential election or in election integrity in any such election will get your YouTube channel taken down these days, which is just obscene. Because we know that 2000 was stolen, 2004 was stolen. There was chicanery in the others as well. Uh, the Bush administration guy that put Bush in office uh, was was his plane was shot down after uh, a threat from Karl Rove, uh, the guy who could have put Karl Rove in jail for stealing the 2004 election, Mike Connell, and on and on and on. But you can't say that on YouTube anymore. So. I don't think these so-called insider threats from Trumpists are necessarily the biggest threats to election integrity. I think we need to redo our whole election process and do hand-counted paper ballots, and then uh, we can put this whole controversy to rest. Oh, exactly right. I, I've been to presentations at the National Press Club here in D.C. Uh, where they go into great detail about how you can rig an electronic voting machine uh, uh, by a whole series of uh, electronic uh Jim Crackery, uh, and I, I well remember uh, the way it used to be where you had a voting machine and when you uh, pulled the uh, uh, the button next to the, or lever next to the uh, uh, the candidate's name and then took this great big lever and pushed it all the way to one side, it made a mark on a sheet of paper, which surprised me. I thought it was more of a, a tally of where you, you click things up where one, two, three, four, five is, is on a hand counting uh, device and these these were simply marks on a sheet of paper but you could count them uh and uh, if you had observers there you couldn't erase them or modify them so i think that uh, is old school technology and old world technology and last century technology but i think it's a a far safer deal than what we've got now and i think that this article addresses uh, some of the things we need to do to change things so maybe both sides could agree to go back to hand-counted paper ballots with a verifiable chain of custody, and then we wouldn't have to fight about this stuff. But maybe that's just too simple and sensible for today's climate. Uh, speaking of uh, stuff that's far from simple and sensible these days, uh, you know, ever since, <laughs> well, I don't know how long it's been, but for my whole lifetime, pretty much, you know, anybody who told the truth about the genocide of Palestine would be accused of being a bigot and a so-called anti-Semite, whatever that means, because Arabs are, almost all the mm. Semites in the world are Arabs. Yeah. Uh, but now it seems that this anti-Semite label for people who tell the truth about the crimes of Zionism is starting to wear off. So the Zionists 
who want to protect themselves from the terrible, terrible bigotry of people who tell the truth about the genocide that they're perpetrating uh, are saying that we need a new word. So we can't call these anti-Zionists anti-Semites anymore. It's not working. Let's call them Zionophobes. Uh, so, you know, I, I would say, well, why, why don't you go one step further and call us lionophobes? <laughs> you can say that discriminating against Zionist liars is a form of bigotry. Then the Zionists will be leading a liar's pride parade every April Fool's Day. And they'll be saying, I have the right to identify as a liar. If you don't like it, you're a bigot. Uh, <laughs> funny how these Zionists think that by manipulating language, they can obscure reality. Well, I'm not sure whether this is more 1984 or Dr. Seuss, uh, but it's an imaginative <laughs> idiocy that uh, probably will go down well with the, the people who support the apartheid entity. <laughs> well, it's they, they floated their trial balloon in the Jewish Daily Forward. And, you know, actually, the, you know, I read I read the Jewish Daily Forward. Sometimes I read the Times of Israel and, of course, Haaretz, which is actually a pretty good paper. Hmm. You know, they're, they're, these people are human and some of their publications are OK. But that's not that. Yeah, there's definitely some kind of weird sickness there that hmm. is afflicting their perception of reality, even the relatively kind, gentle, nice and liberal ones. And, and this this kind of article in the, in the Jewish Daily Forward is a perfect example of that. You know, you don't know whether to laugh or cry. Anyway, another guy who doesn't know whether to laugh or cry is is this uh, engineer in Texas who's fighting the ban on boycotting Israel. He's like, why, why do I? Ha- why are you going to force me to shop at Walmart if I don't want to shop at Walmart? You know, uh, why do I have to pledge allegiance to a foreign country? I think those are good questions. No, exactly right. I, I three years ago I did an article for Arab America on a uh, U.S. federal judge uh, in, uh, I'm not sure whether it was uh, New Mexico or Arizona, but she was a member of the Hopi Nation, and she ruled against the the state's uh, ban on BDS. They said She said that uh, this violates the First Amendment. And uh, uh, the unfortunate problem is, of course, half the states in the Union have a BDS ban on the books, uh, either by law, or as in case of Maryland, by the Republican governor, uh, Larry Hogan. So I, I, I think that uh, the Justice Department ought to do something useful and uh, go after these, these states uh, that violate the, the Bill of Rights. Okay. Well, moving uh, back to China, <laughs> our, we're coming into our final stories, the kind of goofy ones. Uh, a new study from Tsinghua University suggested that the Chinese government conducted a cloud seeding operation the day before the CCP's 100-year anniversary celebration in Tiananmen Square on July 1st. So, hey, over in China, it's nothing but clear skies from now on. And now it's Washington, D.C.'s turn to turn the air clear by spraying bullshit seeding chemicals into the air, causing the vast noxious clouds of bullshit that envelop our nation's capital in perpetual darkness to precipitate their contents, allowing coagulated bullshit to fall all over the streets where it can be swept up by armies of illegal immigrants with shovels. (laughs) So... I don't know about this seeding the air stuff. Uh, things, uh, tech, techno dystopia is getting a little bit out of control, Mike. Uh, are, there, are, are you going to watch out for the cloud seeders over where you live near DC? Well, I, we get enough rain as it is. Uh, I think the people in Montana ought to contact the Chinese government and say, we need your help in getting rain and snow, uh, because, uh, it's been a really dry last couple of winters when they get most of their water. That fills the uh, the wells of people who don't have city water. 
that fills the lakes that supply rivers to uh, the cities that do have city water. So I, I think it would be a good thing if uh, the Chinese helped Montana. There you go. Well, I wish they would have seeded our clouds a little more last night. We got a half an inch of snow. It's not enough to go cross-country skiing. So uh, I'm going to put it in order with the CCP. Speaking of techno dystopia, how about our next story? Uh, humanoid ro- robot makes eerily lifelike facial expressions. Her name is Amika. And, uh, wow, they are eerily lifelike. So I understand, Mike, that they're going to be planting electrodes in the brains of vaccinated people and using the same software. They will be able to make sure that even after the jab, you will still be capable of making a series of incredibly human-like facial expressions. So well, that shows that uh, our, our dear leader, uh, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., uh, has not been replaced by a robot because they have real lifelike facial expressions, and Biden doesn't. He doesn't, yeah. Well, Gavin Newsom, apparently, with that syndrome he's got, uh, probably needs this technology, too. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, these these uh, psychopaths in power do sometimes make uh, surprisingly human-like facial expressions, but that doesn't <laughs> fool us, does it? Moving on to the Camel Beauty Contest, Zafar uh, <laughs> Bangash came on my radio show recently suggesting that we we Muslims send uh, Mohammed bin Sultan or MBS back to his nudged desert with his harem of camels. And in our final story, uh, a terrible uh, shock here for MBS, Botox camels have been banned from Saudi's annual $66 million beauty pageant. I understand that Donald Trump and Jeffrey Epstein attended a number of these camel beauty contests with MBS. <laughs> and indeed, there's supposedly a picture somewhere of a leering Trump nudging Epstein and saying, hey, nice humps on that one. And then Epstein replying, yeah, I wouldn't mind humping her. Uh, the Russians apparently have these pictures of Trump, Epstein, and MBS doing things with camels that the SPCA would not approve of, which may have something to do with Epstein's mysterious disappearance. He may have been smuggled out of prison with a camel caravan. So if we find out more, we will be sure to report it right here at False Flag Weekly News. Well, thank you so much, uh, Mike. It's always fun doing the show with you. I greatly enjoyed it. Thank you for having me on. Okay, and uh, be well, everybody. Watch out for camel beauty contests and uh, other dangerous activities. Stay safe, and God willing, we'll see you here all next week. And I promise not to sing. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Okay, bye-bye.